Asida, I have someone in mind who I think you'll really like. Let's see if you can figure out who it is. He's a genius. He's a billionaire. He is a playboy, but he's also a philanthropist. Who do I have of in mind, Hasita? Of course. Would I even be a Marvel super fan if I didn't know that that was Tony Stark? Ah, interesting. Because the person I had in mind is very, very real world Jeff Bezos. Okay. <laughs> it's true of Jeff Bezos as well. Yeah, very much genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. Okay, maybe I should have added astronaut or something. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two very, very different people, right? One fictional character, much beloved, much painful in all the wrong places, but beloved nevertheless. <laughs> Uh, very, very dead if Marvel is to be believed. And one very real world human being, you know, doing his real world things, just existing, building Amazon while he's at it. So, yeah, <laughs> really makes me think about, uh, you know, all the mistakes that we make when it comes to designing our ideal customer profile, as we call it, you know, uh, if the same four words can describe two wildly different people, then why are we using those four words at all? Yeah, no, it's a tough one because like we've seen a lot of roads lead to or should begin with the ideal customer profile. Absolutely. And it seems like that's not so easy to define. It's not, which is why I thought we will ask the expert today for their recommendations on how to build an ICP and how to do it really, really well. Sounds good. to the Damn Good Marketing Podcast. We are joined today by Andrzej Zinkovich and we are asking him a very important question. Why does my ideal customer not know that I exist? Why does my ideal customer not know about my product, my service? Why is it so hard to sell to the person who should fall in love with me instantly? Andre is the co-founder of FullFunnel.io where they work to create a stable demand for your B2B product and to accelerate your growth. Now, along with his co-founder, Vlad, uh, Andre also runs a Slack community for B2B marketers. And that community is very aptly named The Trenches. A link to join the community will be in the episode's show notes. Please do join us there. Hi, Andre. Thank you so much for being here today. Hello, and thanks a lot for inviting me. Happy to share with you all the knowledge about the subject. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Andrew, you've spoken in several webinars before about the importance of really nailing your ICP, your ideal customer profile. Uh, now, this is something that I think a lot of people do get wrong, despite knowing the theory and despite understanding that there are there's a certain way to go about it. So, in your experience, what are the three things that people typically get wrong uh, when building their ICP? I would say there is one thing not even three, but just one, is that uh, they don't understand the difference between creating an ideal customer profile in B2C and in B2B. And when it comes to B2C, right, we sell to individuals. And traditionally, we know this legend about Mary Jane, mom of two uh, kids that uh, works at this company, loves, I don't know, to buy products at Walmart, et cetera, et cetera. And this is, for, uh, and we can't just rely on this information when it comes to B2B, because in B2B, we have, first of all, we have ideal account summary, 
about so basically the company that we are going to sell and we have the buying committee structure so we don't sell to only one person that's the fundamental mistake the second one uh potentially which i can mention this also again in B2, it comes from the difference between b2c and b2b right in b2c we usually aggregate the data about of all of our customers let's say we are selling milk right and we don't care that much who exactly is buying that milk because we know that children drink milk you know yeah old people are drinking milk etc and we try to create a universal ICP in b2b if we are selling to multiple verticals right different verticals have different needs goals and reasons to buy your product and that's why we need to understand that for every single vertical we need to create standalone ideal customer profile which is basically impersonalization of your top performing accounts i usually use uh, as a rule of thumb, I usually say that this is like an aggregate data about your top 10 customers from this specific vertical, right? And now when you have this, when you're looking at these companies, then you have the information or so-called thermographic data, right, about these companies. And then you need to create the buying committee structure because ultimately you are not selling to companies, you are selling to people inside the buying committee. And this committee is usually created uh, or includes four roles, right? We have champions, these are people who initially are in charge of the product research, who potentially might require the demo calls, they collect all the data about vendors or the products that are available, create the comparison reports, and basically present this information to their bosses or executives, right? Then we have decision makers, people who approve the deal. And next we have influencers. These are people who are not taking part in the research process or negotiations with vendor, but these are people who share their opinion about the product or the service that company is going to buy. And finally, the blockers, these are people who are not interested in pushing your product, let's say, who are blocking the opportunity with this company. And this is the fundamental difference between B2B and B2C uh icp approaches that's really useful andre because i think what you mentioned uh see i am a leadership coach so i tend to think that i meet a variety of people so my um, ideal customer is is almost everyone who could be coached but the i like the concept of who's your best performing customer because uh, i could look at students i could look at senior executives but where do i get the the long engagement where the leadership uh, coaching engagement is six months or a year, my best customers probably at the senior leadership end. So that gives me a lot of clarity. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, love what you said about blockers. It's it's quite surprising. A lot of us don't really think that they exist, but they do, and they exist on every single buying committee. It's just that sometimes we don't see them because they're not actively blocking us in meetings or conversations, but they're doing it passively nevertheless. So actually, I have a follow-up question on what you said about your star performing customers in, in that sense. Two instances, right? One is if I'm a very new business and I don't necessarily have a list of customers or a roster of clients who I've worked with in the past, uh, how do I then go about knowing who my service is ideal for? So that was 
one half of my question. And the other half is uh, a little more transactional. So probably I'll ask you that uh, and just let you answer this and then we'll take the other half. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, as I mentioned, the first step is not the ICP creation, but market segmentation. You need to define what vertical you're going to serve. As I mentioned, you can, let's say, potentially, let's say, uh, theoretically, at full funnel, we can serve e-commerce companies, let's say B2B e-commerce companies, we can serve uh, manufacturers, we can serve even marketing agencies that can buy, let's say, our model, so we can come and train marketing agents, and they basically will be reselling our frameworks and services, right? So multiple verticals, aside from two main verticals that we are working with, uh, enterprise B2B SaaS and uh, B2B service-based companies that are selling professional high-ticket services, right? So the truth is that always focus on our core segments because we know that there is our core strengths. These companies are usually more mature, so they are more advanced and they are willing to implement the account-based full final framework with us, right? And there are multiple reasons. While uh, at the same time, we know that there is a huge need of alignment between marketing and sales teams. While let's say if we'll go to B2B e-commerce, there still would be lots of conversations about technical optimization, about paid ads, yeah. etc., which we are not doing and we are not for in, in our space, it's not that needed usually. And all the let's say paid advertisement is usually used to create demand and awareness, not just, you know, set up the ads that will try to yes. land a page that will be later converted. So that's that's the key. And in your case, you need to define which vertical you are going to serve, even if you don't have the customers, right? And that segment. And then you can usually, test it test it with that set of customers first is what you're saying. So I choose a segment, I test my absolutely. offering with them and then just let the test tell me whether I'm on the right path or not. Absolutely. And the next step, if you don't have customers in that, uh, in that segment, right? Uh, anyhow, you need to create a hypothesis about ideal customer profile. In this case, we usually love to run market research. And this is basically the way how you can kill two birds with one stone. The first one is that you can validate the demand and you can talk to multiple people from different. So you select the vertical, right? And then you can talk to different segments inside that vertical. Let's say now we're going towards ABM segmentation, right? So you can talk yeah. to small businesses, you can talk to mid-sized businesses, you can talk to enterprise businesses and basically, basically see where is the need or what kind of needs they have, what is the demand they have. And you can basically understand what, let's say, what segment you can serve best, right? The second best outcome that you'll create a unique piece of content that you can later distribute and again connect with target accounts from, again, this specific vertical and specific tier, right? Maybe mid-size or small enterprise, depending on, on your learnings, right? and uh, connect with them, distribute it, create additional awareness and basically generate some inbound opportunities. So that's the easiest way to do it, right? Additionally, of course, you can run the research, you can uh, try to launch separate campaigns, basically dedicated to these different tiers and identify, and basically identify where you have, uh, where 
which campaigns are performing better and then double down on this segment. As from my experience, usually companies start with SMB segment. Why? Because it's bigger, it's easier, you know, Considered to connect easier. with these companies, right? And if you don't have enterprise experience, like in my case, I came from enterprise world, right? And for me, it was way easier to connect with enterprise accounts. So if you don't have, let's say, connections, if you if you don't really know enterprise well, then of course it would be way easier to start with SMB from this specific vertical and do the steps that I just recommended. Awesome, awesome. So the second half of the question, which I thought I'll ask you a bit later, and here we are now, is uh, maybe it's a it's a very demographic thing, or maybe it's universal across the globe. Some of our clients have come back to us and they've said that my relationships with existing customers are a little on the transactional side of things. So uh, they want my service, I've given it to them and whatever relationship exists only exists to that end. Beyond that, I don't really know them well enough to say run customer interviews uh, or create some of this content that we've spoken about. In those cases, what could be an alternative strategy that somebody could try? Say, I don't have the comfort to call my customer up and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about why you chose us and what was your thought process in picking us over whoever else you were considering at that point in time. How then can I maybe engage the same customer in a way that benefits me and that helps me nail my ICP? Look, if you are not (laughs) going to talk to your customers, then you have <laughs> then you are in problem i, I will i will formulate it just I, I will put it as simple as this because the insights that you uh, are getting from these conversations are priceless of course you can make a step back and send a survey but the quality of answers wouldn't be the same as the answers that you can get via one-to-one conversations right Again, it's better than having nothing, but still, right? So the survey should be your solution. Otherwise, I don't believe in standalone. You can run the research the way I mentioned, right? But it involves mostly uh, the main, let's, let's put it like this. The main activity would be talking to potential customers because you want to validate where is the demand in what segment, right? Yeah. So anyhow, it's... Uh, it includes <laughs> one conversation. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, I don't believe that you can buy, you know, market data that presents yeah. you the market volume, etc. It's useless. You you won't get any practical insights. Just believe me. You'll waste your time. You'll make a bunch of hypotheses that are not validated, that are not proven at all. And then you'll just, you know, play what I call spray and pray approach, right? So mm-hmm. if basically your position and your value proposition won't be validated, your marketing won't be based on how your best customers are buying, right? So basically you just would be... Uh, trying to get just, lucky, basically. You'll trying be just, to see. Yeah, exactly. You'll be trying to get some luck with your campaigns and pray that they will work. Yeah. And I'm also kind of thinking that maybe this could be a way to build that customer relationship itself and just call them up and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you. It's probably a good way to maybe get that relationship started as well if it doesn't already exist. So if customers are declining your, let's say, invitation to have a one-to-one call, for me, it's a red flag. It means <laughs> I'm not saying that they're dis- dissatisfied, 
but there is a high chance that they will churn at one point without yeah. even awareing you that you know about that the results or whatever. It's yeah. usually you know how usually it happens in enterprise world. You just receive an email that nobody wants to receive. Sorry, guys, we are not going, going to do our contract, so we just had another priority or we decided to go with another vendor and that's yeah. it so if you are facing this challenge mm. it means that you need to fix it there are bigger problems now. than having that conversation itself so probably yeah yeah that simply that you know if you don't want to talk to your customer and your customer doesn't want to talk to you then you have huge problems yeah <laughs> So while I try to implement a process like this, for example, in my company, uh, mm -hmm. there are those people who see the value in it and uh, there are those who don't, right? Uh, some of us need proof before we believe in something. So how would you advise somebody who's trying to get started uh, with a very account-based or I would say a very focused approach towards running their marketing function and probably they are struggling with getting buy-in from say a sales team or an ops team or some leadership uh what would you recommend that they do in cases like that how can they argue their case in a way and make sure that the plan runs because i'm sure it takes a while right we're talking about at least two three months before you see results yes you are right but there is two fault problem the first one is that when it comes to the results right you need to set up intermediate metrics or so-called leading indicators right let's say in our case we are selling account-based marketing services and let's pretend your sales cycle is one year 12 months right unfortunately neither me nor Vlad we don't have a magic wand you know or silver bullet that will drastically shorten the sales cycle so you need to set up the leading indicators that demonstrate you that your campaign performs well and in account-based marketing it could be you know account engagement so people you are connecting with different buying committee members let's pretend they attend one of your events they consume your content they check let's say your product page on website just giving you some examples right and that yeah. means that account is engaged and potentially right now this account is either on awareness or demand creation stages right so you are educating this account and there is a chance that opportunity will occur at one point and um, that's the first thing the second one regarding marketing initiatives and campaigns i strongly believe that you need to lead by example right before coming and selling uh, especially it's extremely hard in the organizations with obsolete lead generation mindset right yeah, companies yeah. that operate in space where they think okay we have this big market and all we need is just to aware more people that our product exists right and yeah. what these companies are doing is basically spamming everybody on linkedin or via email and uh prospecting everybody with ads right yeah now in this case if you'll come and say okay well, i want to launch demand generation program i want to do abm no way that you'll get approval maybe no way is not the right definition but the chances it's going to be very hard yeah yes yeah. so in this case what you need to do is by basically start leading by examples right try to do pilot ABM campaign, just select one account and do, yeah, I know that it sounds probably um, bad, 
uh, it could be a bad advice for marketers not everybody is willing to do this but i suggest you to launch a campaign for just one account from a from basically running it from point a to point b do the full of or let's say the full set of operations even instead of sdr i mean doing the follow-ups etc it's bad yeah. because it's not the marketing function but there are two benefits first of all you learn fantastic skills and you'll get basically these insights of prices right you can see what are the hurdles your sales team is facing. facing yeah exactly you can present these hurdles right you can explain and basically that could give you a further let's say opportunity to explain that we are dealing with this because of bad positioning and we can fix it. so you can always show the consequences right of the yeah. bad outcome or you can get or you can generate an opportunity and then you can explain okay this is what i have done and now i need just you know your support i want to let's say dedicate 20 percent of my time to do these campaigns while doing uh, what you told me to do or basically what my function requires to do for the rest of 80 percent of my time and i need one sdr who is who is going to help me with account-based marketing right that's an example so leading by example is the best way to do it great yeah yeah and that makes a lot of sense as well because you're not uh, spending a lot of money to make it happen, you're not necessarily investing a lot up front, but you're buying proof in a way and you're actually showing people that the process works and what better validation could there be in a way? Yeah, yeah. It's always about eight to 20 approach. You don't need, you know, don't, <laughs> how we call it in Eastern Europe, don't kill a hand that prints you the uh, X, right? So, <laughs> yeah. It's exactly, I was just yeah. thinking how to formulate it in English. <laughs> no, no, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. We do say something similar as well. Uh, so, in fact, this is also my last question and one that uh, I think by virtue of having spent a lot of time in content and subsequently content marketing, especially, we hear the statement very often and that's uh, how do we create value for customers? How do we create value for the clients uh, that we're going after? What would you say is uh, the full funnel approach in a way to value creation where do people typically fall short and uh, any tips to make sure that we don't do that uh, i love when conversation starts you know about the value because if you'll go to linkedin you'll see a bunch of posts just show up provide value and you'll get the results but then yeah. you start how? Questioning the question is how <laughs> is and also what is value right yeah. because for if if you'll ask what is value for me and you'll ask yourself right you'll ask your peers you'll hear completely different, different answers yeah. so that's the first thing right so what what do we mean by providing value educating buyers potentially yes right reaching out at the right time potentially yes so for me basically creating value is being a trusted source of information right so people can go i'm not saying about me because then i'm i'm just speaking about the company's brand right so basically company becomes a dedicated media where you or let's say your icp can go and get answers to their questions and we are not talking about specific channel or media it doesn't matter if you do it on linkedin or you have your own community or you send newsletter or you do it via podcast it doesn't 
map at all, right? It means that these people can go and learn, get inspiration, right? Get their questions answered. And that's the value of how I understand it, right? Now the next step is identifying the most important part, right? What exactly my ICP is interested in? Because quite often, you know how companies tend to apply or basically how uh, they go into play with value. They open, for example, SEMrush or Ahrefs. Yeah, right? just do a and keyword try, Exactly. <laughs> they try to find yeah. the most popular keywords, right? With huge yeah. traffic volume and the most competitive ones. And the problem is that usually there is zero correlation between uh, a keyword with high traffic volume and the questions that people are genuinely interested in. And that's why you must be doing the customer interviews because during mm -hmm. the interviews, we are asking that's when the real questions come up. Exactly. Yeah. The buying yeah. triggers, what they were looking for, right? What questions do they have? What they're interested in? The second way to learn about this is basically listening to demo calls because quite often you'll hear the questions, right? Not the tech, yeah. let's say if you are selling SaaS product, it's not the technical question where to click to get this. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. It's just a technical documentation. But basically, let's say, listen to when prospects are explaining, hey, so I have this challenge and I'm looking for a solution, right? And this is exactly what you need to uh, figure out. And the next step for us, our content strategy is really simple. We just answer the questions that our people are interested in. In our case, we know that ABM, account-based marketing, is a hype word, right? Lots yeah. of people are hearing about this, but honestly, it's no one really gets it in find yeah. practical guides yeah, because yeah. Uh, all people understand okay so build a random list of accounts upload it to abm software target them with display ads and then reach out to everybody which is which, which is literally what we did with paid ads anyway so it's not that different you know but the approach yeah. itself so yeah so that's the problem. And we know they are interested. They have lots of questions about ABM. We are collecting these questions and we are answering this question using different media, right? LinkedIn, podcast, webinars, newsletter, blog content, etc. And that's the way how you can create value, right? And the next step, of course, because this creates awareness, the next step is demand generation where you can present your case studies, you can present practical frameworks, right? And this is basically how can you, you can, if you are selling product, right? You can show use cases and the results. And this is what creates the result results and basically generates opportunities for you. Great. Thank you so much. There is a very detailed and comprehensive answer and just a quick uh, statement on the whole SEMrush approach to uh, creating content is just that sometimes we extrapolate, right? So we see people searching 10,000 people or 10,000 searches for a certain keyword and we are fooled into believing that that's what the world wants to know about. But uh, that kind of brings its own inherent challenges because that's the same conclusion that a lot of people have come to. And in general, it's very generic in any case. So yeah, quick question on the trenches. Uh, I think as of today, you have 1,060 uh, active community members. What was your uh, thought process behind building a community like this? And uh, where do you see it going in the future? So the answer to this question can be found five years ago. So basically when I launched my first 
Facebook group called B2B Marketers and Founders. So at that point, I I was running my local agency, right? And I was well known in a local region, but I wanted to operate globally and also meet people across the world. And I started to search for B2B marketing communities. At that point on Facebook and also Facebook just invested a lot into creating groups and communities, creating this experience. So the, let's say, growth of Facebook groups exploded. So I was searching and I found multiple communities on growth marketing, digital marketing, et cetera. But these were mostly communities for low ticket SaaS products, right? Which is slightly different from my field of expertise. And I was thinking, okay, so if there are no communities in that space, why not create the one, mm-hmm. right? My initial goal was just to meet with like, I, I didn't think in terms of, you know, generating opportunities or revenue, etc. I was thinking, what if I can, you know, find new international friends, peers with whom I can uh, get acquainted, share my experience, share my knowledge, you know, potentially meet at one point. And this is how the entire journey started. So that was my initiative. I launched that group. So at one point, we just also I started to um, to basically actively post on LinkedIn, built an audience there, and then I realized, okay, potentially LinkedIn audience doesn't like Facebook. Most of these people don't even hang out on yeah Facebook on Facebook. Facebook itself, yeah, the same happened with Twitter, right? These people are uh, stick to Twitter. So at, then I decided, you know, just run the with my peers, with the most active uh, members of these three different platforms. And then we realized that potentially Slack could be the best medium, you know, to hang out for everybody. But again, one of the most common mistakes that people make, they think that community is just a platform, Slack, LinkedIn, Facebook, no way. It's just a communication channel. It's and actually about the people. Community is exactly the relationship when we have, let's say, in podcast episodes like this right when we have events offline online doesn't matter where we connect with people in our space and we know that we can come to this place ask our questions get some insights etc this is the community and the platform honestly doesn't matter at all (laughs) so this is where most people are making the mistake so our goal was uh, to create a new community that won't depend, let's say, on Facebook or whatever, and just uh, grow globally because we love to have friends, you know, everywhere, and yeah. we love to get and let the job just be a part of the whole thing. Yeah, and I think exactly. absolutely and- built that in the trenches because there's a certain comfort in being able to ask absolutely any question under the sun and getting very objective answers and feedback. So I think um, that's much appreciated. So yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andre. And I think you answered a lot of questions very specifically. And uh, if someone's actually sitting and taking notes, there's actually a lot to implement just from these 30 minutes that you've had this conversation with us. So thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Always a pleasure. You are doing a good job with the podcast. So keep talking. Oh, thank you so much. stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye. See you. Bye-bye. And now it's time for the much-awaited Topical. 
you know when the phone rings and then you say hello and then there's this very kind of cracky voice and then there's a lot of noise in the background you know they're sitting in a call center and they try and be polite and wish you good morning good afternoon or good evening and sometimes it's the wrong time of day as far as they're concerned and then you just want to bang the phone down and maybe sometimes you do but i mean you gently press the red button but you do <laughs> <laughs> and i also i really want to know what sales intelligence tool is telling them to call people between 1 and 4 in the afternoon which i find to be the worst time for cold calling but on a saturday or a sunday it is yeah. just that's just mean that's really just mean but now we have also been on the other side right so when we pitch and when we try and speak to folks they all don't say the nicest of things sometimes and some things are difficult to respond to absolutely so it, like i whenever someone asks me uh, which industry do you work in i say rejection <laughs> rejection is the industry <laughs> i work in <laughs> because that's true of sales and marketing <laughs> yeah so i'm going to ask you what do people mean or how do what do you say how do you come back from when they throw this at you right and i think <laughs> and i think you will with with your years of rejection industry experience i think you'll have some interesting answers let's go for it so last week i heard i'm not the right person to be having this conversation ah oh, damn all that effort all that talking on linkedin to hear this it's just my internal dialogue itself vanishes because i'm frankly a little disappointed in all the work that's gone into getting this particular kind of rejection but then i usually try to spin it around and say uh, either highlight a feature of the product or the service and quickly pull it back with uh, that's all right uh, can you point me in the direction of who would be the right person uh, and a lot of times asking that open ended question makes a lot of difference Uh, instead of saying all right thank you and you know letting that disappointment be too evident <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. interesting what about you know i really like what you're saying and i like what i'm seeing but i'm not looking for the solution right now honestly i can deal with that because right now is a very short time frame in the life of a marketer so i kind of i'm i feel very hopeful that maybe it might happen in the future if not now uh however it's important to also read the rejection behind it because sometimes people are just saying that to get off you know get you off their backs in a way uh versus sometimes actually not looking for a solution so that's where i feel like content and being active on social media is valuable for this very reason because it's not so much about what i say unless i'm saying something excruciatingly stupid but it's about recall right so the more if i can keep them engaged in my network then at some point they'll notice me and they'll realize that you know uh, okay let me have a chat with them yeah yeah makes sense okay this one this one just uh, stops me cold sometimes we already have a tool for this <laughs> yeah this is just uh, an excuse for not having a conversation any further actually because a lot of us don't actually have the tool or the solution at all we're just saying that to get people off of our backs and i remember uh, somebody received a cold call while i was in their car somebody was trying to sell them a flat and this person literally said uh, you know i have no money right now so stop calling me so there are these many different ways of rejection uh, and like honestly the lady at the other end she just laughed right so i think 
some days we like lighten the load by just having a chuckle and saying but does your tool do this you know that bill smith song right does your friend do this <laughs> does your friend do that so <laughs> this is when i switch into full sales mode or i just give up i mean it's just a mood thing right sometimes i just don't i i can't be bothered so i'm like okay bye but that's just between the two of us <laughs> and then one last one for you which really sometimes it feels like a stab through the heart where did you find my contact details i mean honestly uh, unless you've been living in a cave please know that your professional information is up for sale on every kind of tool and platform possible right it's not i'm sure our phone numbers our email ids they're just floating around on the internet like a big garbage patch uh, not to mention somehow whenever we fill details on government portals that's when the spam messages really begin so like really makes me question the whole notion of data privacy i just come clean and i tell them that hey i used a tool by the way you should also use it you know because everyone has a sales function and if you're not using it then what are you doing <laughs> sounds good i hope i can throw these back at some folks going forward yeah rejection can also be fun guys <laughs> not always but sometimes thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode about designing your ideal customer profile the real question isn't are they ideal for me alone the real question also is am i ideal for them and that's what throws a lot of us off multiple times we hope you've taken away some valuable insights from our guest today and if you have any questions at all please do reach out to us our linkedin profile links as always are in the show notes if you're listening to us on apple podcast don't forget to follow us and leave us a review and if you're listening on any other platform of choice please also give us a follow we would love you more than anything else on the planet thank you